back, and so is James Van Riemsdyk. You're listening to You Would Think, the Philadelphia Flyers podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Collington. Kevin, how are you today? I'm doing as well as I can be. Um, you know, are you? I, I, did you get yeah, your you number know, 25 jersey out of the closet? You got it all nice and clean for the game? You wearing the JVR jersey? Come on. I don't remember the last time I wore a jersey to anything. Yeah, I, I forgot. Actually, you, don't, you don't go to games as a fan anymore. Actually, no, then actually I do, because I did go to one game as a fan this year, not in Philadelphia, obviously. There's I no did. way you wore a Flyers jersey to that game. There's no way you were that no, guy. I, no, I, I did not. Absolutely okay. not. No. Okay. But, but still, it was, you know... Just because the Ducks wear orange doesn't mean you get to wear a Flyers jersey and fit in. No. (laughs) All right. Apparently there I fit in more than I thought because I had hopes for that team this year and they're at the bottom too. So apparently it it must be me. I I go to a team's game and you're lousy apparently. Right. All right, Kevin. We talked on last week's show about who would still be on the roster today. Patrick Brown is gone. For mm-hmm. a sixth round pick. Yeah. Zach McEwen is gone for a fifth round pick and Brendan Lemieux. We'll get into that a little bit more later. The biggest story today is who is still here. And that would be James Van Riemsdyk. Uh, so is that, Kevin, is the, that the biggest story of a guy who's still here? Or is think, it? Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. Okay. Well, you're well saying in terms of the roster. Yes, I was going to say you're saying in okay. terms of players. And I get where you're coming from, so don't like so, I, I'm just playing around. But Chuck Fletcher apparently tried, uh, apparently almost traded JVR, uh, right? Approaching the trade deadline on Friday, uh, but ultimately failed to. Mm-hmm. Um, as we sit here on Sunday morning, Kevin, <laughs> what's this franchise doing? And I feel like I start every show like this, but I, <laughs> w- w- like what? What's going on? Please you know, help me. Well, at, like at, at this point, what else is really left to be said? Because, you know, I know that like I know I personally have and we on this show have kind of been a broken record for over a year. I mean, we've really had the same conversation multiple for times 18 over. months at this right, point, multiple times yep. over. Um, You know, I'm trying to figure out where we really want to start the timeline here with all of this, because it's been a, like it's really been an interesting week. Because, you know, from the time that we did the last show, which to our benefit, we didn't record until later on Sunday last week, right. where we where we certainly didn't miss a lot of stuff because of it. If we would have recorded in the morning like we typically do, then we would have missed kind of a, this bevy of trades that came along on Sunday. It was a very active Sunday. The whole week was. And I even I went for on the, the for the yeah. record so in a bigger picture. This has been the best trade deadline that I can remember at very minimum of the cap era. We saw teams getting creative. We saw mm-hmm. massive stars moved. We saw monstrous trades for just days and days and days and weeks leading up to the deadline. I it saw, was amazing entertainment. I saw a handful of like maybe a handful of tweets from people who cover the game and like in general, you know, kind of on a national level, kind of just people, you know. That kind of were joking. Do do NHL executives know something that we don't know? Like like, is the world going to end after this year? Like this is it? You Everyone's the- gunning for this one cup, right? Like you better win the cup this year, or you're never winning it because if, the world's coming to an end. If you look at the Eastern Conference, it certainly seems that right. Way. Like, I, you know, with the Eastern Conference, the part that blows my mind is there are six genuinely elite teams in the East. 
And I'll give credit because some of the Western Conference teams had good weeks this week. Point sure, sure. That, that kind of brought them back into conversation. Dallas looked great on Saturday afternoon. They did. For what it's worth. So I saw like, most of that game at work. They looked you know, great. Dallas looked great. Vegas is in a good position again. You know, like that kind of stuff. Like, it's not straightforward the top six in the league or the top six in the East. But yeah, Right. Well, Dallas is in there, but uh, yes. Oh, not anymore, but like that, but still. Out six, of the top nine, seven six, of them are Eastern Conference teams. Six of them I have right now because it's Dallas. Oh, Dallas, Vegas. I'm sorry. Yeah, Dallas, Ooh, Vegas, yeah. and LA are the three Western Conference teams that really are kind Still. of staking their, staking their name to right. be informidable out there. Absolutely. And that's and that's totally fair. Um, but yeah, like that was kind of the joke. And I went. I was on the station. Oh, goodness, I'm trying to remember exactly what day it was because I did not go on, I guess Thursday because if the deadline was Friday, the idea was I was on Thursday, there was 24 hours to go and the story kind of was, well, if anything happens I would go back on on Friday and and then you didn't have to go back on on Friday. I didn't actually, you're right because <laughs> because ultimately when the story was okay, they traded McEwen, cool, that was it Like nobody cared right. Everyone like, well, knew he was, well, it, we assumed know, he was going we assumed he was going for about a fifth round pick Brendan was coming uh, back. What else needed annoying, to be said? And I, whatever. you know, in fairness, I, I think that I, I, I hope certainly that I kind of at that time captured where I thought things kind of were, which was this is a possibility. The spots are drying up like the supposedly I'm not talking about whether guys called or not or offers were on the table. I'm talking about teams that you knew probably could use another forward that would be suitable fits for him. Well, they were doing other things. You know, Minnesota was making other trades. Dallas was making other trades. Vegas was making other trades. And you started to realize that the teams out there that could pull this off, that could pull off the money, that could pull off the fit, were deciding on other options. Can so I, the spots were drying up. Can I read you a quote? Sure. So this is Chuck Fletcher at his press conference media availability. Oh, talking, boy, talking about JVR and potential landing spots for him. Okay. Quote. Mm -hmm. We certainly made everybody aware he was available. We made everybody aware we would retain 50%. We made everyone aware that we would take back a contract if that helped a little bit on the cap or the cash. We right. talked about a different range, different ways of getting there, prospects, a pick, multiple picks, whatever it would be, conditional pick. We talked about all kinds of different scenarios. But ultimately, again, I can only control my half, and there has to be a willing buyer. And mm -hmm. until 140 today, we never had any type of offer, and the offer we got was conditional. Chuck, Chuck, listen, I'm going to speak directly to you here. If you're not Chuck Fletcher, Chuck, do your job. Do your job. Like, Here's you had one job this trade deadline. Yeah, Zach McEwen, whatever, Patrick no, Brown, no, no. whatever, Nick Sealer, Justin Braun, whoever might have gone. You had one real job, and it's to get some sort of medium-ish asset for JVR. He was your only trade chip. Here's the thing. I'm I'm not trying to sit here and say that he necessarily did his job because obviously like this happened. But here's the thing. There was a failure at some point. Yeah, the failure was in the well, the failure goes back to the contract. The failure was in let's this way. I don't know what you could have gotten for him if you do pull the trigger last offseason. I know that they were like, look, I know you don't want to throw your first round pick last year into that mix. No, absolutely. To do it. So I get why you back off there. But what if that was the best value you were going to get at that time? You know what I mean? Like, like to me, if the if your response to the media, which in, I'll include this in what you're talking about, because he he even said they couldn't even get a firm offer for a fourth for him. 
Well, if that's what you're not getting, then people are telling you around the league exactly what they think your players are worth. That's what it is. So the front the front offices around the league do not respect Chuck Fletcher. So they can't. All right. They can't. All right. How can yeah. they? All right. He's got fleeced in every deal we, he's made. We got to go backwards then. We got to go backwards because yep. you're on Friday afternoon at this point, and I got to go backwards. Oh, I'm on giving up three picks for 77. But no, no, I mean, no, no. Oh, no, whatever. no, no, no. Whatever. He's gotten fleeced in every trade he's ever made. That's beside that one's beside the point because I'm not going back that far. I'm talking. <laughs> let's, I'm talk, talking let's not talk about Rasmus Ristolainen. I'm. Go, I'm. Well, I will be in a second because I'm talking. I'm no. Because here's the thing. I'm in the middle of the week right now. Okay. We, we did our show on Sunday. We everything's out there on Monday. Some trades are still happening. Um. And I'm going to get into what happened on Monday a little later on because John Tortorella was the one who spoke on Monday and really laid out a lot of good things, like good things in terms of reality. He speaks from he really speaks from honesty and reality. He's the face of the franchise and we love John Tortorella right now. Well, he really speaks from reality and 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 honesty for the most part. I'll get to that later. Fair enough. But. He, but he laid it out again, and, you know, again, I'm going to get into his comments later, but Chuck Fletcher, you know, there are no words that you need to, or not need, there are no words at this point that are worse for me to see than Chuck Fletcher speaking today. Because if you have, once you put that out there on, like, once it's out there on Twitter that this is happening today, you already know what kind of day you're in for on the social media space, right? It's going to be one of those days. So Chuck Fletcher is going to speak on Tuesday. Okay, great. Um, this was the first time that he had spoken to the media in almost three months. Um, and I, I will admit, this particular time was not as bad as the last time he spoke in terms of quite literally contradicting the head coach within an hour. Right. Well, and that was the famous we're only five points out of a play or right. six points out of a play. So spot. it wasn't yeah. that level of bad. But it wasn't good, obviously. Instead, this is okay. So here's where the here's where the Tortorella Monday thing comes in. So this is one day after John Tortorella says, for you know, for who knows how many times now, that it's going to be a process. It's going to take time. They're building all of that. The one thing I can appreciate about John Tortorella this entire season is that I don't think I had heard him say the word playoffs until Monday. When he firmly said the team's not making the playoffs, right. he's not try. He has not tried to sell you playoffs once this season, and the first time he even says the word is we're no. not making the playoffs, and we know it. So all we can do as a team is play for pride, yep. and this is where we are as a franchise. We're figuring out who's going to be here next year. Like, yep. and the kind of the reason I bring that up, by the way, is because how many years? And I like I'm not trying to dig in. You know, this is. Way past the point at this point. I'm not trying to dig dig on Claude Giroux here, but how many times as a captain would he come out and tell you we intend to make the playoffs still, and they were seven points out, having to climb out of that hole, like, and then they don't make it potentially. Yep. Stop trying to make promises that your team can't keep for talent level. Tortorella didn't say it until it was. It's just too late. We're quite not fr- making. Quite frankly, they haven't really had a player this year who's been as good as Claude Giroux. In, no, I get it. Claude's you know defense. what I mean. But you know what I mean, like. The team around Claude Drew was usually never good enough to get out of those holes. And oh, unless, he was tell you unless he unless he was strapping the team to his back and not getting nominated for the Hart Trophy somehow. Well, you but know whatever. what? You know what? Sometimes it's like a batting average. You know, I'm what? not salty about that. No, no, no. <laughs> it's like a batting average because there were years he said it and they did climb out of the hole and make it, and he was a big part of that. So, so like three 
hundred or four hundred, like, you know, if you're 30 or 40 percent with the, you know what? I know we're in a hole and we had a slow start, but we're going to make the playoffs. And you do make it a couple times or a few, like, you know, three, four times. Yeah. You know what? Maybe you're going to keep trying to go to that well because you think that there's a possibility. But anyway, now let's go back to Chuck Fletcher. Yeah. Who also finally admitted that the team would be selling, admitted that the team has is in a process and that, you know, it, it, that comes far too late at this point, obviously. At that particular time, you had 72 hours, roughly, until the trade deadline. And that's when you finally admit, yes, we are selling. Right. This Whereas is after- the fans have known since mid-November. I'm not even worried about the fans. This is after plenty of teams that have realized that fate sooner have yep. already started making the trades and moving players of value and doing all of that work. So um, I wrote about... Chuck Fletcher's comments on that day, on Tuesday, like later on, but in the moment, went on Twitter and kind of parsed a few lines that came out of this availability. Right. Let's start with the the straight up, we're selling line. It took you way too long to get there. Absolutely. The head coach knew it weeks ago and was the only one in the franchise that could express that this is where the franchise was. So getting, you know, okay, that that's too late. The line about we're getting more calls on expiring contracts. Well, that already told you what I tried to explain last week on the show. That if you thought they were going to move Kevin Hayes or Ivan Provorov or Travis Sanheim with money and term at this deadline or anybody like that, it wasn't going to happen. There wasn't a chance in hell that any of those guys were going at this particular time of year. They always That always was more, you can lay some groundwork here, but that's always offseason. That's always offseason stuff. Quite frankly, I'm grateful because if we're shaking up players with multiple years left and the core of this team, I don't want Chuck Fletcher doing it, quite frankly. That's a fair thought. And but but my point my point being, look, if this that's if that's a lay the groundwork kind of thing, because because team other team like go, let's go back to your line from Friday, the line that you read off. Okay. He, you know, he's trying, he did his half in having something no but in having something. No. Other teams have got to be able to fit those contracts if you're going to do it. That nobody can fit three and a half million dollars or whatever you would have gotten if you cut Kevin Hayes' salary in half. Let's just say no one's fitting that. No one's fitting six and a half million dollars for Ivan Provorov or six two five for you know I know it's six seven five for Provorov or six two five for Sanheim. You know what I mean? No one's fitting that right now in full at this time. Now you want to call somebody in the offseason and say, hey, I can give you. Ivan Provorov, a top four defenseman, at, you know, for the next three years at six and six point seven five million. Instead of you going out and trying to sign that top guy that's out there for nine million, somebody probably is listening. That's fair. fair. Yeah. That's fair. But it's not happening at the trade deadline. Okay. Quote: We're not looking to take shortcuts. Then please explain to me what the last couple of off seasons were, with the aggressive retool and the band aid approach and. All of what is your what is your defense right now? Half of your defense is guys that you panic acquired. Pretty much. So you're not looking to take shortcuts <laughs> because really? Ryan Ellis took a giant dump the second you traded for him and he was already hurt. Yeah. So, yeah, we're not looking to take shortcuts. Not true. Um, we all understand where we're at. Do you? Because only the coach has spoken in these terms up until this particular week with processes and building and all of that stuff. No one's talked like that around the organization. Nobody, you know, nobody hears from anybody else. So it's pretty much what John Tortorella says and whatever Chuck Fletcher says whenever he comes out of hiding after three months. So who, you know, what's the consistent message there? And then lastly, 
We need more high-end talent. Clearly. This is no, this is an evergreen comment. Yeah. We've heard that line for 18 months. And yeah. newsflash, there isn't a single player in the organization right now that is a surefire high-end talent. Cutter Gauthier, no, Cutter Gauthier could be. Okay, you're talking about prospects. Okay. No, but, but I'm talking in general. There's not a single player on the roster. I'm willing to still keep Carter Hart in that territory. Okay, can I clarify on something in this? Sure, sure, sure. I don't think that whenever they talk about high-end talent, they're talking about goaltending anymore. Because goaltending is the... Fair. Because goaltending, goaltending, it's one job and one job only. Yeah. Stop the puck. Now, you can be a high-end talent who stops the puck and steals games. Don't get me wrong. But I think when we hear this, we don't have enough high-end talent. We need more high-end talent. What you mean by when you're saying that is we don't have a goal scorer. We no, don't have a playmaker. We don't have fair. a playmaker. We don't have a number one defenseman. But just in terms of pure high-end talent, I do put Carter Hart there. But I certainly understand clarifying to mean like offensive production and actually helping out right. in the field of play. And and that's player. and that's why I pull – like that's why I say surefire. That's because, fair. Because Cutter Gauthier is having a great freshman year at Boston yeah. College. He could be that high-end talent that they need. But it's too soon to tell, especially once you get to the pro level, you know – Let's see what happens. I'm not willing to guarantee that, oh, they've got one chip. Well, right. And then there's, um, for example, a guy like Elliot Desnoyers, who did make his NHL debut. We should touch on that here. Yeah. Um, but he's a guy who was picked a little bit later. Second round, correct? No, fifth. No, he was, he was the fifth round. Right, 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 right. I'm sorry. And he's a guy who, you never know, good teams develop players like that well and hit on them on occasion. Now, sure. because it's the Philadelphia Flyers, he'll be out of the league by 2025. Sorry, Elliot. But if he sticks, if he, you know, he has shown flashes of the potential of maybe. But that's not enough. That's not. No, but, we need surefire, like you said. No, but El- Elliot Desnoyers, a player like that, first of all, the ceiling is never high enough for high-end talent. Let's be clear about never, that. Never, ever. If you're drafting even even the- a guy like Cam York. Um. I I know I, I hear where you're going from. Okay. Like, okay. okay. Yeah, like, yeah. But there's a difference. Like the reason why I kind of made a face when you said that is not that I think that Cam York is necessarily a high end talent, like top pair guy. Top it's, four. No, but Good it, top four. No, but that and and that's that's not where I'm going with that. It's right. That's still a first round pick. So when you make first round picks, you ha- you have higher expectations. Sure. A fifth round pick, you're hoping to strike on somebody. Like, okay, you could get it's a lottery. It's a lottery ticket. Right, but like, okay, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm I'm not I'm not gonna bother to look this up for one quick mention here, but I'm taking a shot that I remember this correctly. I think Andre Pilat was like a seventh round pick. Yes. Okay. Sometimes you get a seventh round pick who has some good scoring ability and turns out to be a fit. And Andre Pilat was realistically among that grouping of Tampa players, realistically never a top lying guy he may have played up there on occasion to create some level of balance but he was more top six or turned into it and sometimes you hit on a pick like that and sometimes your guy who is picked in the sixth or seventh round is more along the lines of i don't know more along the lines of a casey zizekas type who is a very suitable bottom six player who has a role, plays it well, gives you a little bit more than the average fourth, you know, third, fourth line guy. And maybe that that's what works out. Elliot Desnoyers could be one of those players, or he could be Tyrell Goldborn. You know? You know, but you who, know who had saying? a minute? Who had a minute? I like Tyrell Goldborn for two weeks. But he, no, but hold on. But that's why I'm that's why I picked no. him. Because 
He could be a guy who has a couple minutes at the NHL, or he could be a guy who has a good NHL career. He really could. There's no, you know, you, that you accept the good NHL careers from guys who you pick in the fifth round. If you can get, like, if you can get five, six, seven solid years out of one of those guys, you accept it. Yeah. Let's put it this way. A guy like, okay, what if Elliot Desnoyers, and there's a little bit of, not completely, but like, let's, let's say there's a, not, not, there's a little bit of similarity here potentially. What if Elliot Desnoyers' career turns out to be like Pierre-Edward Belmar's? Would you take that? Yeah. For a guy who you drafted yeah. in the fifth round, for a guy who doesn't, isn't going to have that level of a role, but certainly is a suitable player? On a good team. That's the thing, though. Sure. But if he, Pierre-Edward Belmar, if he's in your top nine... <laughs> but yeah, if you on your fourth line, you feel great about it. But back in the day, he was, and then he goes to ta- no, and then he goes to Tampa, and he really is on the fourth line. And, well, right, and, and yes, and I then he looks great. He looks great. Sure. <laughs> and then, well, we uh, we all knew what Pierre Edvard Belmar was when he was here. We all knew right. that he was playing higher in the depth chart than he probably should right. be. So let's uh, let's let's get back on the rails with the with yeah. Can I with everything? Oh yeah. yeah let, I I would like to direct you to okay. You hear a lot of talk this time of year about trade deadline winners and losers. Sure. And a lot of the focus is on who gets the best player, right? Did the Rangers win because they got Patrick Kane? Did the Bruins win because they improved on a team that's already a friggin' wagon? Did, etc. Sure. But for our purposes here on this show. Right. The trade deadline winners are really the teams that did the selling thing, right? Can I, <laughs> can I summarize the recent moves of the Arizona Coyotes for you? I'm not going to go in detail about all of them. No, but, but I I already know where you're going with this because this is a callback to last week's show also right. because you even flat out said on the show, I went back and I heard this for a second, that you thought that they would get, that the Arizona Coyotes would get more for Dyson Mayo and Shane Goss bear. And we'll leave Chickren out because Chickren we knew was going to fetch a return. stud, right. right. Yeah, we knew totally. was going to fetch a return. But, but Dyson Mayo would, and Shane Goss Dyson Mayo and Shane Goss would fetch more than the Flyers got for uh, for Justin Braun and Nick Sealer, which is which is very true because both right. of them are still on the roster. Oh, right. And for Dyson Mayo, they got uh, a fifth-round pick and also super valuable LTIR space in the form of the Shea Weber contract. Shea Weber, Arizona Coyotes legend. Uh, getting traded from Vegas, so he's also a Vegas Golden Knights legend. Uh, okay. Uh, they then facilitated some of the money in the Patrick Kane trade and picked up a third-round pick for their services. For Gossespierre, they got a third from they got a third. Uh, they got a third-round pick from Gossespierre. Uh, I'm going to skip over Chicker, and we'll come back to that because that's the big one. Uh, they did also acquire Jacob Voracek's contract from Columbus and a sixth-round pick for that. Um they picked up a third-round pick in exchange for Nick Bugstad. They traded the, the Ritchie brothers for each other, Brett Ritchie and Connor Mackey, for Nick Ritchie and Troy Stector. First time ever that two brothers right. were traded for each other, by the way. I know, right? And then the Jacob Chikrin deal. They get a first and two seconds. There was a couple the of, Ar- like, there was... The Arizona Coyotes had a really nice little trade deadline. And if you look... Cap Friendly has team draft picks listed. Mm-hmm. It's stupid. It's stupid. They have, two fir- they have two first this year. That Senator's pick is conditional. They mm-hmm. also have four third round picks, <laughs> an extra fifth and an extra sixth. Next year, they have their own first round pick. They have four second rounders, three third rounders, and then an extra fourth and an extra seventh. By In the 2025, way- they have four seconds. By the way, I am willing. I am willing to. I would bet almost any amount of money that there is no chance in hell 
that Bill Armstrong is using four third round picks this draft. Absolutely not. Nope. Two of those are being packaged to get back into the second round. I would be willing to bet anything that that happens. You You've already got the two, two first. Of, you package two of those in a second. You might be able to get back into the first round. Um, the Late only first reason I, round. Boston you know, the might only, do it. The <laughs> only reason any picks, though. <laughs> the only yeah, really. The only reason I don't agree with that is because since they only have their own second for this year, that's fair. like like. 2024, they'll get back into the first with four second round oh, picks. Absolutely. You can get back there, sure, and you can keep your own probably. You, you can get a decent first for that. Do you like? Do you realize also though, in, in kind of in the running of that? Okay, and I'm not like we'll talk about this later on because we'll definitely get into more yeah. deadlines because I really want to stick to the flyer stuff yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, keep off it, but so they've got Ottawa's first this year now. Well, and and, and I get it because there's a condition on it, right? Yeah, the Senators are good enough that that condition's not going to get met. It's a top top three protection, I believe. A top five. Top five. And protection. if it's if if the condition is met, then the pick becomes an unprotected twenty twenty four first. Right. Um. What was this one? But Ottawa's good enough. If Ottawa, uh, there's another. Oh, the condition. That's a condition on the second rounder from the okay. following year. Never mind. So forget that one for a second. Um, because my point is, what happens if Ottawa, who is currently not in the playoffs, by the way. What if they don't make it? I mean, look, they're trending in a very good direction right now, especially following the Chickering deal and all that stuff. Like they've, like they had, they've had two really good wins since that deadline deal. Like, they're they're making noise here since getting Chickering. They've won two games and they're in the right. they're in the race. But what if they're not? And that well, means that, and that means that not only do you have wherever you pick, but you have a pick that's going to probably be like fifteenth. Right. Well, and if you're if you're Ottawa, we talk about it all the time with the Flyers, and we can use this to tie back into the Flyers. Picking 15th doesn't make your team better. Not really. Like, it does. It does but in Arizona. It, it, you know what I mean. In a yeah. more abstract way. Two years no, down the road, this, that, the other. You got to develop the guy. And if the lottery spikes and it's a top five pick, they keep it. And, you know, next year they're going to be better anyway because they have Jacob Chikrin for a full season. Right. Now, here's the – but this is where I'm going with And this. Josh Norris back, probably. So you've got Ottawa – who may not make like, look, I think they're trending in the right direction. Like I said, but they may not make the playoffs because they're in a battle no. right now. Fair enough. How about the three teams that they got picks from in 2024 right now in the second round? I mean, Florida, Montreal, Washington. What do those three teams have in common this year? They're all down or on the way down in the case of Washington. It, well, it, it, the, no, the, the, I'll tell you what it is because Washington's already, kind of made their bed with this with what they've done or well in, in a good way because they've kind of wrecked like they're one of those teams yeah but they're, gonna, it. they're also going to bounce right back and try to be good next year because you have to make they're going to try to be but there's no while. guarantee they're going to try to be but there's no guarantees you're, you're right and and i don't know if montreal or florida is going to have the firepower given what the what rest of the eastern conference has been are you looking at a possibility that those four teams, like Arizona and the three teams they acquired picks from in the second round of next year's draft, are all going to be in the top fifteen of the round? Right. Is it's that a, possible? It's a possibility. I, really I don't know about all. Don't okay. see Washington I don't know about all three down I, there. I don't know about all three, but two out of the three are going to be there. Right. Like Washington. I think a lot of Washington's issues this year have to do with John Carlson not being one hundred percent and the OV issues. It's John Carlson. It's it's every time Oshie scratched. Wilson didn't play for near half the like a quarter of the year. Backstrom right. couldn't play. Like, this like, is their is right. This is their down year. I have a feeling they're going to bounce back really strong. The only concern really I the, the only concern I have with that is that we're not talking about guys who were out for a, like a long period of time that are young. Oh, right. Think, we're not talking about twenty six year olds. Right. right. We're talking about guys who are 
on the back nine. Yes. Yeah. And and as and as look, as good as Ovechkin has been, and as much as he's chasing down a record and all that stuff, it's not him by himself is not gonna put them back into the you know, into much more than the wild card conversation. If if the Boston Bruins can get David Krejci to come back from Czechia <laughs> the Washington Capitals can get it up one more time for Ovi. Um, um, all right, back to Fl- back to Chuck yeah, back to the Philadelphia Flyers here. Is, isn't it so stuff. much? Isn't it so much more fun talking about good teams, Kevin? We're gonna ha- well, we're, we're gonna have a great time in a, in a few like yes. in, in like how many weeks? About so five, five, six weeks. I because- can't, dude. I'm so excited for the playoffs. The oh, Eastern Conference. Is I know ridiculous. by oh, I know by the way, I was I was doing some post deadline work. I'll give I'll do a teaser here because I don't care. Yeah. I was doing I was doing some post deadline work, and I may be working on something for uh, after the uh, regular season's over. That's going to be good on the show. So Ooh. I may be working on a little something. We're going to have some fun um, because because we like talking about good teams, right? Absolutely, I'm so excited. And and, the- and in fa- fairly in recent weeks, by the way, we've talked about one team in particular a good amount because they happen to be the best team in the league this year. Maybe the best team in history. Legitimately, there's yeah. There's there's your hint. Okay, yep. that's where I'm, that's where I'm leaving it. There's your hint, and there might be something fun coming up. That's okay. all I'm gonna say. Um, so anyway, back to Chuck Fletcher. So my yep. interpretation of all of what was said on Tuesday was that, okay, listen, if you want to sit here and talk about mentioning that you're in a process, and and both coach and GM have now said that and all that stuff, that's all well and good, but this is not a trust the process movement because. Sam Hinkie for, for GM. But, well, because, A, there was nothing really up front about this. Like, if you go down this path and then are sticking to it for several years, then that's being up front about – and being up front about it would have also been – I think it would win you, you know, a lot of favor with the fans. Well, uh, being up front about it is not three days before the trade deadline no. of a, another lost season. Hey, by the way, now we're in a process. Hey, we're selling. Right. Like, you could have come – like – Honestly, you could have even done something like that and had a little bit more. A month ago? Know, no, I would, I would, like, I was, I would, no, it need to be earlier than that. Oh, okay, but you, okay. But you could have come out after the offseason didn't go kind of according to plan. It, like, okay, listen, we said aggressive retool. We tried. It didn't work out the way that we thought it was going to. Going into this season, we're really going to focus on being in this process now, going into it, you know? But they, like, they didn't even do that. So there's no upfront. And there's no reason to feel confident that Chuck Fletcher is capable of leading such a process. Correct. Then came deadline day itself. So the Flyers had a trade go down around noon. That's when the Zach McEwen trade happened. He goes to L.A. They, the Flyers get Brendan Lemieux and a 2024 fifth-round pick. And I'm not even really dissecting these trades for what it's worth. Brent, like, you want you want a quick dissection of the trades? Hey, we won't be the worst podcast in Philadelphia anymore. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, if you know, you want a quick dissection of the trades? Okay. Like, re- like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Two, two sentences worth quick. They're fine. Brent, period. <laughs> Brendan Lemieux. Brendan Lemieux on a 20 game tryout. That's fine. The fifth round pick was about as good as you were going to do for Zach McEwen. That's fine. Uh, okay, that's the end of that trade. For the next. You know, for the next three hours or roughly three hours, there really was nothing else until the final half hour of before the deadline. And this is when things kind of get crazy. And I know you have things some get tweet, wonky. You have some tweets prepared of kind of how it went down. So I'll like let you kind of jump in whenever you, like we get to that point. But yeah. Um. So here's here's basically what would ha- what happened. It appeared because there were reports starting to surface that James Van Riemsdyk was going to Detroit. He was off for Detroit. Yep. 
you know, pretty much all of the major guys tweeted it. I, I believe, what was it? Pierre Lebrun had something. Elliot Friedman had Sarah something. Valley had something. Sarah Valley had something. Dra- Drager had something. Like everybody who you would think was who you would think. The normal guy. And Chris Johnson had something. Well, no, not completely. Because oh, no, 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 right. Most of those guys chimed in with a different angle, which was like, I don't I, actually, I don't think Sarah Valley ever reported that it had, was on. I think he just came in with the it's not done. Uh, you're right. Yeah. He kind of countered it. Which, he was the one who came in with uh, no trade in place at, at this exact moment in time for James right. Van Riemsdyk. So, and that was tweeted now, at now, by 2.43. The way, okay. Now let's go back. So let's go back about 10 minutes before that when the initial reports were coming out. Yeah. In all honesty, um, with the exception of knowing which team was going to definitively be involved in making such a trade, that was exactly how I expected it to play out, that it was going to be a, an 11th hour, under-the-wire kind of deal for him. Very much, you know, and I didn't, I didn't write this in my notes or anything like that, but very much, remember when Wayne Simmons got traded a few years back and it literally came out two minutes after, after the deadline yep. because it was that much down to the wire? I, was I, very much, I, yep. I very much expected the same thing, that this was going to be a down-to-the-wire kind of trade. Absolutely. And, well, then, and, and we did hear, in this interim, we did hear that it was pending Detroit doing something else. That Detroit, right. had to, Detroit had to make something else happen. And apparently what ended up happening here is that that trade fell through. So they backed out of the JVR trade. Right. And I'll kind of like, we'll go into that in a second. So, okay. Because then, then suddenly, and you just brought it up, it was about 10 minutes later. Then the reports come out, nothing's done, this isn't final, the deal may be falling through, all of that. So, JVR does not get traded as a result of this because there, there, there's 15 minutes left until the trade deadline. As all of this is going on, you're sitting there going, wait, it fell through and now you got 15 minutes left to pivot? It's not a lot of time, like you gotta right, go when, back and now, and when now you didn't get any, When, you know, with hindsight being what it is, when you didn't get any calls until 1.40 anyway. Right. Um, <laughs> So JVR doesn't get traded as, as Justin Braun's name never came up. And in, fa- nope. and in fairness, by the hold on, in fairness, by the way, I pinned that John Tortorella as well, because for the longest time, they didn't play the guy. They just so if you're, gonna, right. if, if you're a bad team, that's going to bench a guy who's a trade chip. Then most teams are probably not calling you on that guy. Oh, so right. If enough. you can't make your team, why would he, why would we give you an asset for him to not make ours? Well, the only reason it would have happened was track record, which is, I know, I think what everybody was hoping for, but whatever. And then at the wire, they send they, you know they sent Patrick Brown to Ottawa for the sixth round pick that they get, and that was it. Now, I don't need to spend the whole show talking about the incompetence that is the front office and and that they've shown and we replicated could and on have before. Line day. Well, it, that, you're taking my notes right away from me here because I've done it before, and all that happens from here on out is a daily reminder that it still exists. So and I'm sure we'll do it show. again. Right, we don't need to do the whole show today doing what we've done before. If Chuck um, Fletcher's still here on the first day of free agency, we'll be doing it again. Don't you worry. Probably, but okay. <laughs> now, so naturally, in the um, in the immediate, like the trade deadline expires, like passes, the stories, you know, the reports start to surface. Yeah, JVR was not traded. Yep. Like, like we now know it to be completely a thousand percent definitive. And for the record, I like JVR as a person. I think he's a he seems like a good guy. I respect and appreciate what he does on the ice. He is a solid player. None of this is, hey, we don't like you. Get out of our town. This is, we need an asset back. We like you a lot. I'm sorry. Please go win a cup. It'd be great if you won. That'd be that'd be really cool. There, 
But really, the most important thing is we need an asset back for you. Well, and, and listen, this is what happens with like and uh, like when it comes to this type of stuff with every trade that gets made at deadline time. This Just happened, business. No, we saw this with Claude Giroux. This would have happened with anybody else who kind of gets moved like around this time of year, especially if you're a really like. And guess what? It doesn't just happen to the player himself. It happens right. to his teammates, too, where it's oh, sure. There's, no, there's a realization. Things are going to start changing. You got to try to get like it's worth like, listen, the guy deserves a shot to go play for somebody who's going to have a chance. Absolutely. So this is what ends up happening. And, there, you know, all that the fans here in Philadelphia did last year when it was apparent that Claude Giroux was coming up on that final shower, game, him, with was shower him with affection and he couldn't even keep it together. No, he he lost it. He lost it multiple times. You could see it because he knew it was the end of it. And and but there comes a time when this happens, and it has nothing to do with whether or not you no. don't like like has nothing to do with like liking the guy. Right. Of course you like the guy. Everybody like Claude yeah. got it shown for him in the most fitting way possible, and then I, two days later was out the door. I do just feel bad for JVR though because he wakes up the next or you know he wakes up the next morning and everyone's mad that he didn't get traded and like. It's it's hardly his. Fault, I, I promise it's not you, right? It's it's the fact that they didn't trade. No one's bummed that you're still here. They're bummed that we didn't get an asset for you. You know what I mean? Like it's well, yeah. we're bummed that the trade didn't happen. Not that you are still like here, right? Like, and you're right. I, I know what you mean, but like, I know right. where you're trying to go from with that. Like, it's not about the individual. It's about you know it, what it was supposed to represent. Exactly. Look, like, look, we've we've watched as people who have gotten traded from this franchise go on to play for somebody who has a shot and want them to win. Like, chemo, do we need, man. Yep. Do we need Come any on. more of an example than chemo Timonen who goes and and wins and everybody's happy? I can't. Guy I can't watch that clip without tearing up. Sure. Oh, just Jonathan Taves. Just oh, come on, man. <laughs> Yeah, we absolutely root for him to win once they're out of here. The I mean, reason the reason I wanted Claude Giroux to go to the Colorado Avalanche last year is because I thought they were winning it all. And they did. Well, right. I'm, I'm, <laughs> what did Claude think? Either either way. I know. Na okay, so but naturally there was a lot of disbelief that this could even happen, that they could have somebody who, based on a lot of things, you know, like – you're talking about a player who has, I, I think I wrote this, like, this is a player who has nearly 300 career goals, you know, has played in over 900 NHL games. That's a slam dunk trade chip for a team that's in the playoffs, and he doesn't have to be elite level go to that. Like, okay, right. I, I'm not trying to sit here and say this is what the Rangers were doing or the Devils getting Timo Meyer or something like Like, No, you're right. not getting a top four forward. Like, you're not getting a guy. You're not demanding a first, a second, and a prospect for him. But you are getting a veteran presence and a yeah. guy who, like, okay, listen, has, you know, it's kind of interesting because I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, whose longest playoff run is still his rookie year because obviously all the years so. in, uh, yeah. well, all the years in Toronto he never made it out of the first round right. um he was on the no he was on the team when the flyers were in the playoffs in 2020 yep but lost in the second it, round right but that's still a second round exit yeah. and that's about as far like outside of that first year when they made it to the cup final and he's a rookie and he's and he's man. scoring a goal in game 7 against boston man you know all that like he scored the first goal didn't yep. he he triggered the comeback yeah. he scored the first goal that Oh God! I wish I could remember who which defenseman it was, but it broke the guy's stick. Uh, yeah, and, and then just dribbled it, between it, Thomas's legs. Was, it might have been Dennis Seidenberg. Honestly, it <sighs> might have been. Good. But either way, beside the point. Um, 
Um, but that like to have a what what appeared to be a slam dunk trade, to, and this is the really reason why I'm saying slam dunk also is because for all of the trades that were made leading up to deadline day, when deadline day hit and all of those lists are out there of trade bait, and he all was on top stuff, of all of them. He's the top player on all of the lists. All of them. Everybody figured, okay, at some point in time, he's going today, right? Like he's the most valuable player that's going to be out there at this point because. At this point, you can take everybody out. Even like Chikrin's been traded, Kane's been traded, Tarasenko was traded. And you instead, know, and instead, Boston prized Tyler Bertuzzi away from Detroit. Yeah, really. <laughs> Literally, yeah. rather than come out, come to Philadelphia and get a guy who the Flyers are attempting to get rid of. Can you blame him? Did you see his first game on Saturday? Oh, I know. But you went, and you gave up. You you went and you gave up multiple picks. <laughs> like. It's crazy. Oh, because Boston doesn't care about the picks right now. They're going for it. I know. Well, you know, we you talked... can't be worried about draft picks when you're where you are in a historic season and, and, and the vibes are immaculate. Man, you're right. We talked about Arizona's dearth of picks. Uh, Boston, they have their third and fourth this year. Uh, third, four, six, and two sevenths this year. <laughs> Four, five, six next year, twenty twenty four. What team is? I, I think it's, but no. And this is a different, kind of different, but still similar. Somebody said like Tampa's going like the drafts in Nashville this year. Tampa's going apparently to go to the bars until the sixth round or something because they have no picks until the sixth round. Yeah, it, honestly, what we talked about the the East kind of gearing up yeah. included a lot of teams that are firmly in their window. Right, we've seen Pittsburgh expel assets to try to get better. We've seen. Uh, Toronto really did it. Toronto, Toronto Buffalo, Boston, Detroit. Do you know what's uh, interesting, by the way, kind of in this? There are yeah. teams that there are teams that are very clearly all in, like put you know, push the all Rangers, the Rangers, the Devils. Well, uh, not, not so much the Devils. The, the, right. the Rangers a little more. So. No, because here's the reason with the Devils. The Devils made a trade to acquire a player that, that they, they could, could very extend. much re-sign, <laughs> and by doing so. Make themselves a future contender for a right, long time. because you still have Hughes and um, Heischer just locked up. Toronto, good luck with – like, Toronto, you're making a push with guys like O'Reilly and, you know, and, well, like – They're Achari pushing in more. a small window because their big guys only have two years left. Kind of, right? They're, and, they're and in Boston, a, a limited and, window. And Boston's in the tail end of the Bergeron, Krejci, you know, like – that era is going to end at some point very soon. And when it does, you need to show that you've gone all in for it, right? Right. But New Jersey, even Carolina doesn't do this. Carolina does not take crazy big risks. And and I swear, just gets fits for Rod Brindamore. Just goes and gets players who are going to be a fit for Rod Brindamore. Like, and Shane Goss to spare. But that, he scored in his first game. I wonder why. On the why. power play, I know. Right. I wonder why. because It just feels like such a weird fit, though. It really does. Because he feels like the mini-me to Brett Burns. Kind of. It's, that's kind of funny. But either way. All right, so let's go back. We're still on the you – know, got to finish the Flyers. Are we still on the Flyers? Okay. Yeah. Because, well, because I haven't even gotten to the, the Friday presser. Okay. Fair enough. So let's – okay. So, okay. Somehow they didn't find a way to move JV, JVR. It's only furthered in his in Chuck Fletcher's post deadline availability. He yo okay. He twice admits he hasn't done his job well enough. Points the finger at himself. Uh, said he couldn't even get a fourth round pick for JVR, which showed you just what the rest of the league thinks of what you had to offer. Uh, right. Um. That's not that pretty- that's not due to lack of 
available talent or available picks and it's not, out no, there. And it's not due to a lack of trying because you can pick up the phone and call teams as much as you right. want. Right. According to Chuck, he received three or four calls and made 17, 17. I believe he said. Right. Chuck, make 20 next time. Like, well, either like, way. Call more and teams. that was no, and that was and that was pretty much that. You know, in a year where the trade deadline was very much the Flyers playoffs, you know, outside of when the draft lottery takes place, they got swept much, in the you know, first round. Which you no, know, which is very much your Super Bowl at this point. Like the draft Absolutely. lottery is your Super Bowl. This was the biggest day for them, and they flat out blew it. Absolutely. Okay. So the, embarrassing. Now, now, so the dust. Now, okay, pull back the curtain. Time for me. So the dust settled. I went out for the night because for the, you know, okay. Like, as I told you before, when, first of all, when things like this happen, when we have events like a significant trade, a signing, reactions to a press conference, I kind of need to let everything marinate for a little before I go and give you an article because I can't, not only can I not really be reactionary to it, but you, you just provide some analysis, but you need time to think about it. You yeah. can't just jump in. It really, it requires, it's got to marinate. Let the thoughts marinate and get everything out into the open the way you want it to. You watch any? And, you watch any Letter well, Kenny? N- um, not. I haven't watched a lot of anything lately. Oh. I actually, I actually sat down and was watching. I'll, I'll, you know, a show that I've been told. I know that a show that I've been told I really need to watch. Love that I actually did start watching last last night. No joke. Ted Lasso. Um, okay, fair enough. Which, which is, you sh- which is, a, you know, you should watch Letter Kenny. You will love Shorzy. Anyway. <laughs> I've seen like okay. Have I seen clips? Yes. And during the season's not a good time for me to get on board with anything. Fair. Fair. That's the problem. So I'm hoping you know and 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 fully you know I, I I'll convince I, you over the summer. But, well, no, no. Here's the thing. I think I fully I think I fully elaborated that my my off season last summer in in between trying to figure out busy. what they was what they were doing was fully on little, busy and little yeah. So I've got you know maybe this summer I'll have some time to really sit down and binge watch some stuff. Um. Anywho. Um. Another, so I was out on Friday night, and another reason for that, by the way, was, to be honest, it was the first time all week I felt like I could actually look away from my phone for a couple minutes. Fair. So, it was insane. So I was plenty happy to get away for a little bit. So I write my piece for Saturday morning, put it out there, and to an extent kind of repeated the message that I had when the free agency debacle happened and that this, you know, t- that takes this far beyond Chuck Fletcher. Uh, told you on the show last week. And I said, this is on the surface is going to sound kind of stupid in a way, but I don't think that Chuck Fletcher is the biggest issue that the Flyers have because he is what he is. He makes deals how he knows how to make deals. He signs the contracts that he typically signs. That's how it's going to be. The bigger issue is going to be is whether you accept this and being in a position where if you're supposed to be an advisor, if you're supposed to be part of an ownership group, are you supposed to, you know, are, you're supposed to be doing what's good for the franchise for years to come. Are you going to accept that or are you going to, you know, do something about it? And there, look, there, there are always going to be missteps. Every franchise has a misstep somewhere. Right. But there are other franchises in the NHL today that, that you know, they're, they're like beyond the Flyers. There are other franchises around the league today that feel like they don't have a sense of direction and that there's a challenge in front of them at this point. Vancouver is probably the most notable. Right. But this isn't Chuck Fletcher's second trade deadline, let's say, where missing the boat on something or making a mistake is something that you can kind of overlook and say, well, there's it will provide another opportunity because it, it went the way it did this year. There weren't much, there wasn't much out there that he could sell, blah, but like, like nah, he's been the general the, manager long enough that this roster is his right. fault. His this fault. is this was his fifth trade deadline. Fifth. Five years of this level of incompetence. 
And when you look at how low this franchise is, what a mockery and laughing stock it has become, the blood is on multiple hands at this point. Chuck Fletcher, the general manager, is the one who is in the public eye. He is on the front line. You know, I believe that the term that, that John Tortorella used on Saturday was that, you know, uh, chucking darts at is what he said. Like, And fair enough. Yeah, when you're the guy who comes out and speaks in representation of the next level, when you're, you know, the head coach can really kind of only speak on what he's got. Right. This he can speak my, about the room. This is my team. This is our room. This is how it goes. Right. And and can kind of like because notice how Tortorella never goes much further than yeah I talked to Chuck but all I can do is tell him what I think of what's in front of me not what we should do. John is doing his absolute best to behave, and I will give him credit for that. Right. So he's so Chuck Fletcher is on the front line, but you have figures in highly appointed positions who were part of building the very fabric that the Philadelphia Flyers that made them so reputable and that are now responsible for turning it into a mess. Bobby Clark is a senior advisor. Paul Holmgren is a senior advisor. Bill Barber is a senior advisor and essentially an assistant to Dave Scott. This is a group effort. And again, and I've said this all along, I respect what these people have done in establishing the history of the Flyers. You know, behind the very camera that I'm looking at right now are pictures on my wall. Uh, you know, multiple ones of Bobby Clark. Bill Barber's in pictures that are on this wall. Like, I understand more than anything what they did to build what it is. But now more than this is now in their hands more than ever before, because if you can accept the job that Chuck Fletcher has done, if you can accept everything that the Philadelphia Flyers have become, then the franchise is quite possibly beyond saving at this point. You know, maybe Eric Lindros was right. <laughs> maybe Bobby Clark is the problem. <laughs> All those years ago. Bonnie and Earl Lindros, they were, or Bonnie and Carl Lindros, uh, they were, they were correct. Here's the thing. I've said it before. Again, I'm sure I'll say it again. Bobby Clark is a legend. Maybe the greatest captain this franchise has ever had. Definitely the most successful on the ice. Bob Clark <laughs> needs to respect Bobby Clark's legacy and leave while he can. I kind of like, and I think and it's too late at this point, frankly. But okay, but like the level I compared it to, because it wasn't that long ago that you know. And listen, I like it's funny we're coming back to this team again. We did it last week. We're coming back to this team again because they are the best team in the league right now. So I'm sitting there and I'm like Saturday afternoon. I'm watching the Bruins game with a buddy because it was the Bruins. I mean, it's Bruins Rangers. Both teams just added. It's potential oh, it play showdown potential playoff matchup potential you know it's a conference game. final so we're watching the, and i kind of described what's going on in the flyers fr not front office completely but i kind of described it as you know okay listen your general manager in boston don sweeney is a former player from the franchise sure. and not that chuck fletcher is but that's beside the point but your team you know your team president is not only a former player but a legend in Boston Bruins history. Cam Neely is a legendary Bruins player. Has his name in the rafters, just like Bobby Clark does, just like yep. Bill Barber does. Now imagine that in addition to having Cam Neely as part of like the presidential group, quite literally take the greatest player you ever had and, yep. and have him part of the advisory group. So take Bobby Orr. I was say, would that be Bobby say, Orr probably? And, and say he's part of the advisory group. And now say that your franchise is in this state of disarray, and it's actually quite literally taking what Bobby, you know, and I understand the Bruins have been around a lot longer than the Flyers, but let's go from the 1967 kind of area here. 
sure. Bob, Bobby Orr has a goal that is as legendary as it gets. Might be the greatest goal ever scored in the history of the NHL. It's up there for sure. You know, probably the most famous. It's one of the most famous pictures. It's I don't know if it, yeah, I don't know that you can tell in the background, but it is behind me up, up on this wall. It is on this can't wall. Can't quite see it. But no, okay. you can't quite see it, but it is on this wall. Imagine if that player who is the most legendary that you've ever had is part of what is making it a laughing stock is part of what is tearing down what was built up by him. You know, the very legacy of a franchise that was built as much of a fabric as, you know, whatever. And imagine that those people tell, you know, basically as advisors are assuring your ownership group that everything is okay, that it's fine, that no, we like, we trust in this guy, that he's capable of doing it. Just you wait and see that you're part of ruining your own legacy that you built. I can't that's where that's, but, but, but I take players like, like I'm taking players and it's a group because this is nothing against Bobby Clark, the player, as you said, this is nothing against Bill Barber, the player. This is nothing against Paul Holmgren, the player who also went to cup finals when, when he was playing, this is nothing against that. No, nothing, nothing is, against their legacies on the ice. Absolutely and, this is, and this is nothing. This is not to say that they have crazy levels of involvement in day to day, but your advisors, then do your job and advise to an extent. And I know that you're semi-retired and advising, but to an extent, your trusted voices in because of the of what you established as a franchise. You're like you're as equally a part of the of the success and respect that the Philadelphia Flyers had as Ed Snyder himself is. You're like you're the next tier down. You're the very much next tier down. Every time I hear somebody say, well, the Philadelphia Flyers have a brand, they're the Broad Street bullies, I want to vomit in my mouth. Because it is 2023. Right. And that has not been effective at minimum since the 05 lockout. It just hasn't. Sure. And think about think about our, the greatest playoff success since that playoff run. Or since that lockout. The 2010 Cup run. Mm-hmm. Built off, yes, the toughness of Chris Pronger. And, you know, some of the rough and tumble, blah, blah, blah. Danny Briere. Mike Richards. The, the, the core of that team was skill. You know, young Claude Giroux, young James Van Riemsdyke. Like that was, was a. It was skill, but it was edgy. It was sure, exactly. And if that's what your brand is, like the Boston Bruins, the Boston Bruins have a very similar history to the Philadelphia sure, Flyers. Sure, big Bruins. And I think very similar expectations when it comes to roster management. And who did they go out and add at this deadline? They added Garnet Hathaway, Garnet Hathaway, Dmitry Orlov, and Dmitry Orlov. Right. Three players who are all awful, awful human beings on the ice. Uh, awful right. human beings on the ice. Right. Like, oh, you hate play. Yeah, you hate exactly. play. Exactly. Menaces. Terrors. It's a team full of Brad Marchands. And well, that says it all. But I can go down a long list because it's, it's Marchand. Like, it's, but it's, it's, it's guys like, you know, but like they... Connor Clifton is a guy who who gets scrappy. Like guys like that'll do it. Trent Frederick is known to get scrappy. Like, but the important part is that it's edge with the skill. The second sure. Milan Lucic's hands fell apart, they shipped them. They have Brad Marchand. They have Charlie Coyle. Will grind on anybody in the league. Charlie McAvoy is downright dirty half the time. But we're talking about these guys who all play the same way. They all play with this grit, this edge, this sandpaper. Yeah. But they all have skill too. 
And that's the part that the Flyers haven't seemed to grasp over the last 20 years right. or so. Because Zach McEwen can shoot every puck on earth three feet wide. And <laughs> he, he can be four feet in front of the net and still miss two feet wide. But he can punch somebody in the face. So he had a spot on this roster for, what was it, three years? Um, At least two. I think it was just last year and this year. Cause well, right, that's what I mean. So... At some point, I don't know if the front office needs a carefully concise biopsy or if it just needs a full lobotomy minus Daniel Briere, but some surgery needs to get done. And there has to be, there has to be some sort of shift to the future, some sort of I'm, shift to what could be. I'm, I'd be genuinely concerned, like, because I hear where you're coming from with, with Danny Briere. I'd genuinely be concerned about his role in this too. Not that he has a clear cut leading role right now, but I too agree. much is but too much is happening around him for me to kind of even feel like you can trust him at this point because he's he's if this is supposed to be an ex, a learning experience and prepping him for the next he's step, learning he's learning from the wrong people then. So how you should be confident in his abilities because you know, like it's just I don't know. Like he, I think I think what I'm hoping from is for an angel from Comcast to come down on high, fire Dave Scott, fire Paul Home or kick Paul Holmgren, Bobby Clark, Bill Barber, um, everybody, Bernie Perrant. Uh, it's not no, everybody. It's not, well, it's not Bernie though because it, it, no, you want to walk around, shake hands, and kiss babies and all that stuff. Please be my guest. You're part of the history of the franchise. Just don't make any decisions around come, the team. Come back in a year, literally one year, no alumni, zero, mm. full new message. That's, you need to. I guess I, 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 it's a little. I, they're never going to do it just for PR purposes. People love meeting Bernie Perrant. People love meeting. I look now. Listen, here's here's the Dave thing, Schultz. I, I get it. But, I don't know how much that that's been an opportunity, like kind of in a way, like, I don't know how much that's really like, like to an extent, I don't know how much that goes on. And, and, and look, those guys aren't getting like, they're, they're older now and stuff like that. So maybe some of that dissipates over time. Right. And you're telling me they're not talking to Bob Clark. They're not talking to Paul Holmgren when they're in the building. And that's what I, I mean. It's not It's not about them making the decisions. It's about the influence and the culture. And if you cut out the Holmgren and the Clark and uh, Barber, like the guys who are actually influencing the team directly, then right. sure, maybe the, the alumni can stay around because there's that separation. That's fine. But when their buddies are the ones who are doing that, you, you can't. Right. You I just got, have I get to what, clear I it get out. What you're saying. I want... It doesn't even have to be analytics focused because like I understand that's not everybody's thing and there is the eye test and you know the the if you go full analytics it doesn't often account for grit I understand that right but there has to be somebody who wants to make some decisions with analytics sometimes and I feel like that's that's never the case <laughs> let's put okay so let me try to pick back up because yeah. I'm trying to because the next portion of this is then you have John Tortorella, who I look, I think has done as good a job as anyone in trying to be a face of the franchise in a dark time, trying to discuss what needs to happen, saying you need to stick to this process, do it the right way, all of that. And, and has been essentially, you know, saying this stuff and knowing it from day one. And, oh, then, yeah. he, and then he came out less than 24 hours after the trade deadline passes and basically flat out gave the media an are you kidding me 
because of criticism towards Chuck Fletcher and 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 thinking it's about not trading JVR. This right. isn't about not trading JVR. Right. This is about the years of these scenarios that consistently play out with Chuck Fletcher as the general manager and the franchise avoiding the very process that Tortorella has said he wants them to stick to. Yep. Now and and look, I understand what Tortorella is doing and why he's the one doing it in that spot. He's trying to do damage control as the most trusted figure in the franchise right now, which is not false. He's, he, no, if, absolutely if, not. If you put him out there, he's the one who people trust the most when, yep. when he speaks. Um, and he's the one doing it because the, if, the enti- you know, if the entire organization feels that the criticism is too harsh and wants to defend and protect, protect Chuck Fletcher, which, like, we look, again, it's the network thing. You know, Chuck Fletcher's first ever job in hockey comes courtesy of Bobby Clark, you know, come, you know, all that type of stuff, right? And all that, you know, if, if, if this is what they're trying to do, then they're definitely going to send out the guy who doesn't give a damn how it sounds and certainly isn't afraid to be brutally honest with anyone, especially the media. So that's why Tortorella did it because do you think he cares how he looks coming out of this? It's not going to be the first time he's had like a moment in front of the media where it's like, are you guys kidding me? You know? He tried, and you're gonna pile on to him and blah blah blah. Like, right? And like, no, John but like, Tortorella bears no responsibility for the misfortunes and shortcomings of this team. Not no, but, really. but no, but he, but he, but he also doesn't give a damn how he's perceived. No, you know, and that's the thing. So if anybody's gonna, you know, and and, and he's blunt about it, so which isn't gonna, which isn't a bad thing for no, the but if, but if anybody was gonna come out and give you a state like like. This isn't some. This isn't. This isn't your average head coach coming out and saying, "Listen, I stand by my general manager," and and doing it kind of in a, in a nice way. This right. was going to be a, guys, seriously, like, he, like with with that with that little bit of tone and attitude to it, like, like, I like I can't stand that you guys put this stuff out there. It's not like uh, you guys are piling on. Blah blah blah. Right. Here's the thing. Sorry, it's not piling on when it's happened for years. It's not. He called it manufacture, like don't manufacture criticism, make it legitimate. It's not manufacturing criticism when this is years of a franchise's history at this point. It's very much legitimate because the criticism doesn't have to do with what you think the criticism is. It didn't have to do with whether or not Chuck Fletcher tried to trade JVR. It had to do with an entire package of events that, yes, did as he kind of led, like because he hinted at it, kind of does have to do with stuff that happened before you were here. Yep. This isn't about this year's deadline. This is not about yeah, – because I think at some point in time I didn't listen to the whole press conference and I wasn't there like I wasn't there and all that stuff. I think he brought up the fact that not signing Gaudreau was his best non-move or whatever. Okay, guess what? Some people have said that. I've said that. I sure. understood why they didn't do it. But that's not what this is about either. This doesn't go back, go, this doesn't go back to whether or not you signed a guy. It doesn't go back to whether or not you traded this guy. It goes back to you've had years to admit that you were in this process, and it took you, John Tortorella, to show up and continue to hammer the point home for this to even be – for him, him to even say the words we're selling, for him to even talk about it in terms of a rebuild without saying the word rebuild. You know? I, think, I think what tipped me absolutely over the edge on Chuck Fletcher uh, was when it became known last year that uh, Claude Giroux was not going to be offered a contract. Claude Giroux was not going to be welcomed back. I, and you still can't call it a rebuild is the thing. Like if, if they had come out and said, hey, I'm sorry, Claude, we love you, but we're looking to get younger. We're looking to move into the future. I'm sorry we're not going to be signing you to a contract. Oh, I could understand that. I could respect that. But it was just no, nah. We don't need. We don't need them. Just our our captain for a decade plus. We're not gonna. 
we're not even gonna, he's not welcome back. We're not gonna consider talking to him about a contract. It just baffles me. Every, almost every Chuck Fletcher decision has baffled me. And they haven't all been bad. Some of them have been okay, but like they've all just been baffling. Well, like, okay, like, and you, you brought up some contracts that he signed recently. Yeah. Um, they made this, like, they talked about getting younger, right? And I kind of went through, I'm going to have to pull up the article really quick because I, I went through all of them. Um, or a bunch of them anyway, because I, I, because I, I threw ages in. I was talking about how, yeah. um, and the thing is, it doesn't look like he's getting fired anytime soon, at least at the current moment. We might have a lot of time to do this. We might have a lot of okay. time to break down so, the Chuck Fletcher so, era. No, so he expresses a desire to get younger, right? Yep. Um, which, and listen, yeah, getting younger can certainly be a method for rebuilding. You, you know, it, it, you do addition by subtraction to start with, right? Like you subtract yep. players. You got to tear it down before it, you can build it back. Yep. And, and listen. One of the things that he said, that Chuck Fletcher said on Tuesday, it's, you know, he, cause he tries to pin it's, it's just terminology, blah, blah, blah. Like to an extent it is. No one's trying to sit here and tell you that a re, a true rebuild is one way or the highway in terms of tearing it down to the studs. I've, I've, I've said that all along. Sure. There's, fair enough. You, no, I'm not sitting here telling you, you have to trade Owen Tippett and you have to trade Cam York and you have to right. trade Carter. Cam Hart York's not you. in your window. Right. Right. To, you had to, you have to do it today because you know, no, cause they could, you know, and cause they are NHL players and they can be part of a solution. So you don't have to trade all of them. You got to ice an NHL roster at some point. Right. Okay. So I get that. But Last last trade deadline, you could have had in, instead of having whatever, like you know, and look, they had Claude Giroux. I'm not saying that they didn't have him to trade, but you could have had Rasmus Ristolainen at that time with a chance to take the draft picks you traded to get him and recoup a few. You know, you had a way to get you had a way to get some back easily, and instead you resigned him to a five year deal. Um, he's 28 years old, so uh, let's do the math. Okay, we'll chalk we'll we'll chop one year off of that because one year of that contract's pretty much in the book. So that's gonna take him to thirty two. That getting younger? Uh, no, that's not really a great way to get younger. Um, that that doesn't okay. That doesn't achieve that goal. Okay, no. that's fine. How about trading three draft picks for twenty seven year old Tony D'Angelo? Was that getting younger per no, se? No, no, no. Okay, it wasn't. how about and then, th and then extending him? Also, no. Well, extending him for only two years is not as bad if he's twenty seven. That's still in that's still in a certain window, but. Trading three draft picks does not help you get younger. How no. about signing 32-year-old Nick Delorier to a four-year deal? Uh, no, that doesn't do it either. Absolutely okay. not. So, you, again, you know, it's part of what you've done to yourself. You want to get younger, but nobody wants what you have to get younger. Oh, by the way, you know, that, that contract for Delorier at four years while he's 32 has a no-movement clause in it, too. Don't forget <sighs> God, so, so why no? So why you gave a no movement clause to a thirty-two-year-old player who is, you know, a role player at best? Like, like does, Nick, do, does Nick Delorier make? He certainly doesn't make the New York Rangers. But here's the thing: he doesn't make bad money. Like, uh, I'm no, not trying. No, to no, no, no. It's not a terrible deal. I'm not trying to say here and say one point seven five million dollar contract is bad. That's not bad, but four years and no movement. It's the is. message of four years on a bottom six guy. Right. That's the criticism. And again, that's not manufactured. The deal is out there. Go look at it. You know, go look at what's on paper here about what they've done in terms of these contracts. You, you know what else is bad? 
and and he and he's young. This is a guy who is younger. This is a guy who very much could fit in that bill of you don't have to tear it down to the studs kind of stuff. Right. Travis Sanheim. Travis Sanheim is fine as a player right now. You can see what you got, and you can see if he's part of this process or not. But here is the thing about this: you rushed to get an eight-year extension done when he would have easily been your most valuable trade chip this year. Oh easily. yeah, you could have gotten Jacob Chikrin type return for him. Maybe not quite as much, but he's in that Close. category. He's in that category. He probably drives the price up on Chikrin and probably makes the market more have, competitive. Yeah, that's not a problem. Which drives um, your price up, too. Let's let's really quick, because I know we got to wrap up pretty soon. Yeah. So let's really quick go into this, by the way, because and this is not about the game. But yeah. this but I want to do is because this is part of what I was just talking about with acceptance. Right. And, and by the way, we will do a little bit more of a trade deadline winners and losers on next week's show. We will be back for next week. But yes. yes. OK. All right. First of all. What happened with that game? I can't say I didn't warn you. And for people that aren't watching on our YouTube channel, we do have a banner up there. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, by the way. Uh, banner is Rangers fans invade Philly. Uh, if you watched that game, that was who? So, Kevin, uh, yes. on TV, it was pretty loud. Um, let's go Rangers chance right away. I took a video that I put was on it, Twitter, too, by the way. Was it more than 50% Rangers fans? Because it was at minimum I would close. say so. I would say so. I have a number that I okay. wrote down that's part of it. Okay. Okay. So I knew this was coming. I wasn't surprised about it in the slightest. Nobody was. Uh, this is also a main, like I said, this is a main part of the acceptance thing I was talking about because this is where you are at today. The Rangers are making the playoffs. Yeah. The Rangers acquired Vladimir Tarasenko and Patrick Kane at the deadline. And while we won't, look, we won't know for a few more weeks whether or not that worked and in terms of them being a top-tier playoff contender and how far they go and, you know, what they're, but, but they've made their push. So naturally, in the week, you know, what, what has it been? A week and a half since Tarasenko, and at that time, it was the day after Patrick Kane. No, it's been so, like it was like two weeks since Tarasenko. They did Tarasenko a couple. Oh, weeks okay, ago. but at the time, yeah. at the time, so like yeah, yeah, Wednesday yeah. was saying. about a week. It was about a week yeah. and a half ish or whatever. A week and a half, two weeks, okay. and and Kane was the day before. Right. So naturally, Rangers fans are excited. They want to as well. See their they team. should be. Yep. So you know, I don't want to slap a majority on this, but a large contingent of Flyers fans don't want to see this team right. So a majority of the tickets went to the opposition. Simple yeah. as that. But and if it's you're probably cheaper to, for most New Yorkers. <laughs> right. But if you're supposed to be playing for pride when putting the jersey on as a player, then I'd love to be in the heads of the guys that we were talking about, the Bobby Clarks and Paul Holmgrens and Bill Barbers, who yeah. played for the franchise, who defined what it was, who defined Flyers hockey in their playing days, who were winners in this organization. You know, how do you feel about this? How does that not embarrass you? How do you feel about the site of a building that is pretty close to sold out in terms of full capacity and housing what I would guess would be 70%, 75% Ranger fans? It was that high, really? Oh, I feel like it. Wow. It, it's very much something that many people never thought they would see. So, and, and, the, and the funny part is, the interesting thing to me was on this night, I just talked about John Tortorella and something and what he said yesterday and how I like, sorry, sorry, Torts. Like, you know, it's not manufactured. It's not piling on. You know, you can sit there and say that, but it's not. It's bad. This on this particular night, John Tortorella may have had his best quote of the season. And I'll read you what he said. Okay. We make we make our own bed. We need to get this in the right direction where maybe someday those tickets are hard to get by, hard to come by. Don't blame anyone else. Blame us. This is what we made here. Hopefully along the way we get this turned around. I'm not sure when, but get it back to where that's a tough ticket. And maybe Rangers fans are not or just aren't allowed in the building because we filled it with our people. Not there yet, obviously. And I'm not blaming the fans. I'm not blaming any anybody else except us 
and the organization. We make our own bed and where we're at, and it's up to us to get out of it. I think John Tortorella likes being in Philadelphia mm-hmm. because if he didn't, he wouldn't be fighting this hard. I think he is the right. face. I think he is the face of accountability and being honest with the fans mm-hmm. and here's what we are. But maybe maybe the I best, respect this out of torch. Sure. But maybe the best thing he said all season long, and he's had some yep. good ones. Now, like, of course, some of the juice from this is a little bit lost Saturday when, you know, we're talking when with the criticism on Chuck Fletcher and it being legitimate and not manufactured. But right. this particular quote is spot on. And this is what happens when you have such a rudderless franchise and face an opponent close in, in close enough proximity to your arena that they can scoop up tickets and take over a building. Yep. They're a very good team right now. And listen, to the Flyers' credit that particular night, by the way, and this is really the only in-game a- analysis we've got for this week's show, Yep. for roughly 50 minutes of that game, they kept the Rangers fans sitting on their hands all night. Oh, they yeah. played a good, hard-fought game. It was loud two or three minutes into the game. The Flyers got it tied. They took the lead. They held the lead for half the third period, and they didn't have a thing that they could cheer about until they finally got that game tied. Once they did, they were back, and they oh, were loud, and they were vocal. But that's Absolutely. where this was. And that this is and and it's a perfect way to wrap this show because it's yep. this was this is what I mean by acceptance. You can accept that this is where you are with a building full of people uh, that are not for your team. You can accept that this is where you are in terms of what the league thinks of you in terms of respect. You can accept that this is where you are with your franchise and that everybody who's supposed to be advising on where it's going is advising saying it's fine, it's good. It's the burning building with the dog sitting inside sipping his coffee going, "Hey, you know what? We're okay. This is everything's fine." Yep. You can accept that, and if you do, good luck building it back because people are as fed up as I've seen them at any point, and I and it's not going away. I'm gonna tell you that now. Things it's are really right not now. going away. Yep, yep. I I think it's gonna be an ugly and I'll tell rest you what, of the season. And I'll tell you what. This is what we'll lead into next week's show with. Yep. I'll be there tonight yep. when they play the Detroit Red Wings for the, and this is the last home game they're gonna have for a little while, by the way. But I'll be there tonight. It's the first game they play as a team, the first home game after the trade deadline passes. How do they bounce let's, back? Let's well, let's see how the building looks this time. <laughs> and let's no, and let's see for whoever is in the building, let's see what kind of stuff we end up hearing. Yep. You know, we'll see. And I'll, you know, I'll be curious and that might be where we start next week's show. And we have four games between now and our next show. We'll be back next Sunday. It's four teams that added at the deadline that are getting trying to get better, make the playoffs. Uh, Some of the teams three are out of four for sure. Detroit kind of no. I uh, technically added. I uh, no. Eiserman said he wasn't going to add under any circumstances. So, which is interesting. Uh, they're still a solid team. They're they're, they're a good team. Added. No, they're still a good team, and very much if they want to make the playoffs, and this game's important. Fine. The Flyers are playing four teams that are definitely better than they are, and we will be back next week to talk about it. Uh, in the meantime, follow us on Twitter at YWT Podcast. Follow Kevin at Kevin underscore Durso. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Find the show anywhere you find your podcasts, including Facebook, Instagram, Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SportsTalkPhilly.com. And uh, on that note, I think we're done here, Kevin. So, well, real, real quick, real yeah, quick yeah, yeah. plug, if I may, because uh, absolutely, I'm you know I'm following this one up with another appearance on OMB this week. Okay, um, so that'll be we're recording that on Monday night. All right. So um, if you listen to us and don't listen to OMB, go check them out too. No, please listen to both because OMB has been great and they've been good. They've been really good to us too, by the well, way. Yeah, I said if you they, listen to us and you don't listen to them, make sure to go listen to oh, them. Oh, yes. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I was making sure that because they've been great yeah, to yeah. us. 
And, Absolutely. And it's funny because I, I made a joke about this when they were trying to get me to come on the show that they it seems like they wheel me out right around the time of the Fletcher pressers because it's always the quarter marks. I did preseason. Okay. I did the last week before the season started. I did the quarter mark. I did the halfway point. And now I'm doing the post deadline show. Nice. So I guess I maybe the, I guess, you know, I got to complete the whole the whole gauntlet here. And I guess I got to do the first show that they have after the uh, season's up too. fair enough. But, you know, All right. Check them out. Come back next week. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll see you.